So, um, good morning. Hi. Um, just before I offer a, a particular direction for the teaching, I just want to follow up briefly on our um, exercise last night and, the, and the, the theme of the day of the aspects of the lattice. Um, we're aware that we introduced it very fast um, without thoroughly unpacking every single one of those concepts, each of which uh, have a lot to them, as you know. Um, and then we went straight into an exercise with working with them. So a um, couple of things about that. The, the, this, there, um, there is lots of teaching already that Rob has given and I have given some with each of those nodes, uh, each of those aspects unpacked more thoroughly. And so if that's something you want to pick up further, you can do that afterwards by listening on Dharma Seed. So, um, that's one of those reflecting to yourself, which bits do I want to check out and which no, which of those aspects and which bits do I want to leave for? For a long, long time, and which do I want to really go into? And so that's I'm 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 offering that now, even though we're not going to thoroughly unpack them here. For the ones, if any are troubling or perplexing, you know, or you may have sort of picked them up in a certain way, and they either don't resonate, um, but or they're troubling and perplexing. I was thinking we introduced this concept of participation, didn't say anything about it, and it can mean so many different things to so many different people. And it's a really, uh, it's, it, it, here it refers to particularly the, um, the way that we participate in perception, that we are implicated, um, in perception. So it doesn't mean you have to participate or it doesn't mean you have to, you know, I think the way I may have grown up with that word was you're supposed to join in with everything, but, um, yeah, so, so which, leave aside the troubling ones, the unresonant ones, um, you know, see where the interest may or may not arise. The ones that are resonant, follow them, follow them up. And then in your practice, internally and externally for this second half of the retreat, you can know those aspects which are more easy for you to switch on, that switch on more easily for you. We're different in that regard. You know, if you had one of the things I thought about doing last night, if you all had your own little cards with all of them on, right, all of the 28 aspects, you could sit in front like a little card game and put, you know, yourself at the center and which ones would you constellate around you? Which of those would you put? It's like, oh, yeah, I really get that one about humility and um, devotion. But that thing about theater-like... I'll put that right over there. You know, so you can sort of know yourself currently. And then in your practice of working with inner images and as we open this practice up more, the, the world of appearance, um, go to, you know, you'll know your go-to aspects. Um, and if we, you may uh, deliberately engage them or you may discover that they're already switched on. Right. And as we recognize that one of those aspects is there, there's more illumination. That kind of bright discrimination has its own illumination in the soul. And that will start to sort of brighten the scene. Oh yeah, there's this humility. And oh yeah, it does have this kind of theater-like quality. Okay. And as you recognize someone, as you recognize something, it illuminates more. So you can play in that way.
Um, yes, hi. Absolutely. Um, but because we haven't unpacked them all conceptually, oh, the question was, isn't it good to look at the difficult ones too? Yes. But because we haven't unpacked them all conceptually, I wouldn't want someone to just assume the difficulty they have with it can't actually be, um, just addressed conceptually initially and then you can kind of go further. So that would be either asking a question about one of them with us or then listening afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. So this morning, um, we'd like to open out a concept to extend the range of this practice um, or to be clear that the range of this practice is more than just the inner life, right? So that may be very apparent to many of you and it may not. And this language that I'll offer this morning may help extend that reach. So the word imaginal, I think Rob has said this already, the word imaginal is... It's a, it's a word, actually, I've never liked at all, all the way through. It's a sort of odd word for me. It doesn't have much resonance. or And that's true for a number of people, um, I know. If it's a word you love, great. Um, but the way that we're conceiving imaginal doesn't only mean interior. Does not only mean interior. Um, but because of how we use the word imagination in our language, in our culture, and probably psychologies. Um, often we don't think it has to do with the world of the senses. Often imagination kind of has the connotation of that private, private sphere of my inner world. So uh, Rob graciously came up with another word, um, that we can use pretty much synonymously with imaginal, um, a concept that we can use pretty much synonymous with imaginal, which is, um, which he's already spoken, sensing with soul, to sense with soul. So the world of our senses, our bodily interplay with the world internally and externally, that they are thoroughly on the table, they are thoroughly on the map. They have to be for this practice to make any difference. So the senses and the realms of the senses, to sense with soul. As I said last night, that psyche and the word psyche is an inner experience, is a modern idea with its gifts and extremely severe limitations. So the imaginal includes the inner images and it includes the outer appearances, not just visual, but the outer contact, the way contact with the world meets us, makes an impression on us, impacts us. We're permeable, our senses are permeable. And because of that, sometimes we've closed down our sensing and our sensitive sensing because sometimes it can feel like a lot, can't it? You know, think of a small baby 
when there have you have you seen this probably those of you mothers fathers and any others of who are humans maybe seen this babies when there somebody comes into contact with them when you're very little and someone starts to make eye contact let's say an adult and the baby kind of kind of like can get excited and at a certain point they kind of like turn away you seen that this like it's there's a lot when we're receptive and open to the impact of the senses it leaves it makes an impression on us we take it in we are soft and permeable and because of that some of us and most of us and maybe some of our culture has anesthetized has tried to become numb because it can feel sometimes like a lot to to be impacted by the realm of the senses So our practice is including thoroughly the less private sphere. And I'm going to call that, for want of a better word, the public sphere. <laughs> the public sphere. The realm of appearances um, that we may all agree upon are there. I mean, exactly what our philosophy is about, how they got there and what they're made of and all of that might be different. But we might all agree, there's Rob and he's wearing white trousers and, yeah, we kind of agree to that. It's different than some of your intra-psyche, your inner images that have arisen that I can't see. And um, you get the gist. Even with just a little bit of reflection, anyone could probably agree that even within the realm of con- conventionally agreed perception, conventionally agreed upon label and designation, white trousers, person, tree, even within that, there is a range of how people perceive how they are interacting with that so-called thing, how they relate to that, how they would tell you it got there, what the impact of that thing is on them. There will be a range. So where, how far can we take this? How far can we take this when we let our senses be woven in or potentially woven into the eros, psyche, logos dynamic? Where our eros can be for what is sensed through all the senses and the so-called object of the senses might become psyche. And if our Logos is robust and flexible enough, we can interact and be in that perennial tidal conversation with our body, our sensuous body, and the realm of sensuous things, sensed things, sensitive things, sensible things. To be in that conversation There was a beginning to that sentence, wasn't there? It was going to have a sort of like, how, how far, thank you, how far can we take that idea? So if our, if our logos allows, then maybe we can each and 
probably you all have and know this and maybe feel called in that direction to relax that um, insistence, the cultural logos of the insistence that those things perceivable by the senses are inert, inanimate, um, solid things. Not because we think something is more true. There are ways of seeing and we want to open up the range and the ways of seeing. So with sensing with soul, the forms remain. But what is added, what is open to, what is in that tidal conversation with self and other, with self as eros, self as psyche, other as psyche, other as eros, in that tidal flow, what else can be known? The appearances retain their particularity. We will still agree that Rob has white trousers on today, and maybe I should pick on something else. We'll still agree that the the rose is red, even though there'll be a range on a conventional level how each of us actually relate to that, the meaning that is made for us. How far can we open that if we allow psyche, the otherness to be psyche for our eros? Sensing with soul preserves the form and what is added is dimensionality. What is restored is granting the otherness, our humility that we do not say already, oh yeah, one of them. Nobody likes to be looked at like that. Do you? (laughs) So we grant, we restore that soulful relationship with things and we take it where it can go. To restore dimensionality, unfathomability, the homage, the I don't know you, but I want to know you. I don't dare to say I've already wrapped you up in a box and I agree with everything my culture has said or that's ever been said. No, I, I enter and find out. Because what we will bring to the table with our practice, and that's the gift of practice, what we will bring to the table with our practice is our mindfulness of body. We will relax our ocular center that has become so privileged and we will let it be in the service of all the other senses and let those eyes be in the service of soul rather than service of fixing and naming and labeling and categorizing which has its place and has brought us many gifts. But it does not satisfy our soul in the end or it doesn't own, we need more than that to satisfy our soul. So we want to enter into the sensing with soul, or we are invited to enter into the sensing with soul with our full sensing equipment. How's your sensing sensing equipment today? doesn't mean we might not have impairments. It's not about that. We will have different, you know, things that work better than others. It's not about that. It's our sensuous sensing equipment. We all have bodies. That, and in practice, all, all practice, <coughs> excuse me, that you will have done at Gaia House can serve to reawaken whatever may be the cultural or personal or psychological numbing that can happen. 
for us to come out of that anesthesia into a, a, a waking up of these senses. What might be added or might be different than our, um, for me, my regular training with sense contact in Dharma practice, what might be different is that we don't limit the logos or about the particularities and the dimensionalities that may be revealed and created and discovered. So by that I mean in my history of practicing um, and that, yes, the body does wake up more, the sensitivity does come online more, absolutely. My senses do open more, absolutely. And there may be that freshening of the senses, right? That way that things can strike you and you kind of... Things are more vivid, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All of that's all already in in practice. But some, but but what the 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 logos of sense contact in my regular practice has been is that I'm in relation with the senses, not actually to revivify the world in the end. That's that may be one of the doorways I go through a little bit, but it's really in the service of understanding sense contact such that I come into a wise relationship with sense contact, because it is through sense contact that we start to grasp, not just outer sense, but also inner sense, right? So the logos of sense contact, as I have learned it, and I pay homage for this teaching, is to unbind, is to unbind the way that my fire might pick up on sense contact and start to build, because I don't yet have enough wisdom, start to build and spin a story that I'm then clinging, grasping, craving, and where that all goes, right? So the logos of sense contact typically is, yes, we will wake up for many of us. It will open, but that's not necessarily the point. The point of departure there may be it's from there that I start to understand sense contact to release the grasping, to cool out the particulars of the otherness that attract me, right? We don't pick it up. We don't go, oh, look at the way that. That's not actually part of the, the, the logos, right? No. There's the logos of no. How about seeing it in this way? There is no thing there to delight in. It's a phrase you see very often in the teaching. There's no thing there to delight in. Good, see that. There's no thing there to delight in. That allows us to unbind. That allows us to cool the craving and the clinging. That allows us to deepen into, yes, we could say, beyonds that are without particulars and forms, not getting so excited about forms and particulars. Right? Good, we need that practice. And if that's a direction of travel for you to go further with, pick that up after the retreat. That's really important training, I would say. To some degree, I don't know what degree it is for you or needs to be. But here, there's a doorway, another doorway for us. In that sense contact, not limiting my logos of what the senses are for. Yes, with my mindfulness and wisdom. And 
letting eros arise, our natural eros, we could say, for matter with itself, with the earth for herself in these forms, with that natural attraction to things. Can you really write the logos of why you're attracted to certain things in the world of the senses? Could you really go, oh yeah, it's just hormones, or it's just, you know, it's just uh, because, you know, it's an evolutionary advantage. We can restore and create and discover the affinity between my animal body and the sensible presences that surround me. There's a little quote I have here. I'm wondering whether to read it or not. No. <laughs> I was, you know, when we, when we talk, when we open this realm up, there can be so much that we can learn from children in this realm. And I'm not trying to say we need to become children. Not at all. This, this has a kind of, uh, it, it, you know, we're not children anymore. But there's a lot we can learn from, from the way the child's sensuous body can, um, here's, here's the quote I'll read. It's from David Abrams, actually. He says, the, the conviviality, it's a lovely word in English, isn't it? The conviviality between the child and the animate earth is soon severed in a civilization that is under the spell of its own signs. The insistence that real subjectivity and sentience is the exclusive possession of humankind. So last week, the day before, two days before the retreat started, on the Wednesday I went to the pub with my husband and there's a little group of musicians there that we like to listen to. And we know all the songs already and, you know, and at about 10 o'clock, this father, I think, assume it was the father of like a child, probably close to 18 months old in his arms. So enough, not, not walking on its own, although it probably could, but he was holding the child in his arms. And I was uh, listening to the music and saw the child come in and I watched it, her, there, him, body and senses and felt the quality of, 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 of sentience and intelligence. And what I saw was there was a way that whole body, and you probably know this either from your experience right now or being with small children, her there, his whole body looked like it was the organ of sensing what was in the pub. Right? It wasn't Particularly, this particular soul wasn't one of those kind of excitable, jiggly babies in that moment. He, she may have been at other times, um, listening to music. It was 
eyes were open. It was almost for me in my, my, whatever you want to call it, perceiving projection, um, as if her little skull also was quite permeable and open, body open, safe in the father's arms, limbs open, turned to the music, legs open, feet, the whole of her turned to the music. It was as if the whole thing made an impression. And her whole equipment for impressionability was the whole of her. And maybe you know this for yourself. And maybe there'll be good reasons why many of us may have shut down some of that kind of sensitivity. And that's part of our healing, right? There is a kind of an impressionability. It's not the only aspect of soulfulness, but I want to include it. I want to include this aspect clearly. There's a word I want to offer here um, that I found recently. I think I might have said it already, this retreat. And the word is aesthesis. I think that's also from the Greek, A-I-S-T-H-E-S-I-S. Aesthesis. And the word, if I can find my definitions here. Um, I think it might be helpful. I'm not proposing it as the new logos. I'm just wanting to offer it to stretch our logos, right? Just to stretch the ones that we might have. Apparently originally used by Aristotle, and it's currently being reclaimed as a logos of the senses by body-oriented philosophers at the moment. Um, and it signifies and advocates a logos of perception that stands for, number one, a general perception of all the senses, all at once, right? So not just seeing, hearing, the way we've discriminated them out like that, right? All of the senses all at once, including your body. So it signifies this, and it signifies, number two, the impression that the perceived leaves on the body, the way something makes an impact, the way something strikes you. Do you know that? You've struck, you've been struck by beauty. You've been struck when you fall in love. You might get all in a tangle with it, But there's something that strikes you, right? It makes an impact. There's a certain power there that strikes you. So it signifies the general perception of all the senses, not making them discrete sense doors, which is just a a way of conceiving them. It's not what they are in any final sense. Um, The impression left on the body, and I would, again, I'm not putting a full stop here. We want to keep that elastic. Let's not... Let's see how we're even thinking of body when we say that. Let that be open. And the impression left. Just think of, just think of this for yourself. Have you ever felt impressed by something? A work of art, a tree, a lover, a child, a... If you haven't, (laughs) then it may be time to wake up the sensuous body a little more. You know, there may be some numbing that needs to come out into healing. And that's really important work. 
but I imagine many know it, even if it's a far distant memory. You know, and it may be that in that impressionability there's pain also sometimes, right? So there can be healing there. That, that's part of our work. But the impression left reflects the root of the word aesthesis, which you can probably hear some of its etymology. But the root of the word means to take something in, to breathe in, to gasp as a primary response to contact. Have you ever gasped when something has come before you? It's like, even if it was Paul McCartney and it was 1965. (laughs) Even if that was the last time it happened. (laughs) You don't like Paul McCartney. (laughs) Sorry for my, my, yes, anyone who doesn't know who Paul McCartney is, see me afterwards. (laughs) You know, even if that was the last time it happened, and that's why the falling in love metaphor is, is, is helpful there because, you know, the taking in, the gasping, the breathing in as a primary response to contact. So when we're practicing this today, we can imagine and play with not that sort of dulled sensing. We can play with imagining we've never seen this before or that it would be our last time to see such a thing. James Hillman reflects that this capacity to gasp, this capacity to take in and be impacted by manifest appearance of the world, he calls it the primary aesthetic response, right? Our primary capacity to sense beauty and aesthetics. He claims, for him, this precedes even intellectual wonder, and he says it is also what allows the value of a particular thing to strike the heart and is the basis for ethical response. Once we can take something in, we feel the value. Trouble is with Paul McCartney, we start to reify it, we spin, we wrap our holy fire around poor old Paul McCartney, even if he wants it, and we get stuck. We don't see anybody else. We don't see the poor old drummer at the back, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we get tangled in, in that. So we need to practice unbinding, and if we get stuck and you stuck, we have practices, such intelligent practices to unbind the world so that we can then cool and practice this passion so we can come into that passion and erotic relationship with our world, potentially without reifying, with freedom, where the particularities of a thing can be retained and we can gasp. We don't have to literally gasp, but you might. We can take it in. And remembering the taking in was also one of the definitions of that concipere around concept, to take something in to take it in. So, um, let's uh, not limit, well, you 
limit if you like, but if, if what you want is soulfulness, if there's something your, your soul feels called towards in terms of, um, beauty, depth, sacredness, dimensionality, ethics, you know, his, his critique there then is that our numbing, our collective or individual numbing is part of what inhibits the ethical response. Um, so it's, 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 this isn't, you know, just to make us feel good. It, it is, but there's a correlation with that, with healing, with our dukkha, you know, because for many of us that impressionability has been difficult. And a clear relationship with action. Okay, so, um, we will open this concept today and I'll begin with an exercise with us that you can then take inside or outside. It actually applies to inner images and it applies to outer images, visual or otherwise. Again, they don't have to be clear and distinct. It's the sense of otherness where two-ness comes into play, where we can remain distinct and the otherness can be distinctly other. It doesn't have to be distinctly, you know, you can see the color of its eyes. It's distinct in terms of that otherness we can let become era, psyche for our era. Okay, so whatever we call all of this possibility, you know, some people might limit as, oh, that's just papantry, just spinning a thing around it. Well, that's projection, you know. Falling in love is is the delusion, and you'll get real in a minute. Whatever ways it can be truncated and limited, nothing None of those for me adequately and satisfactorily account for what it is about certain objects, othernesses in our world. Call forth my imagination. What is it about any of the othernesses in the garden that call forth your imagination? You don't have to like list them. What are the othernesses in the garden that call forth your imagination? Are there? And if there are, let's bring that more fully into the practice today. Maybe you are already, but I'd like to offer a way to bring that more fully into our practice today. Okay. So let's do a little exercise. And this is an exercise with seven parts, not 28. Um, seven parts and I'll guide us through it you don't need to write it and then I'll put it on the notice board if you want to follow its steps again So we, for sensing we saw we want our senses. So that means establishing your energy body and also waking up and deliberately bringing online our animal senses, our sensuous body senses. So let's... Um, let's invite your pelvis and hips and being respectful you know we're aware that 
opening and, and referencing and energizing and opening this belly center, this is, this is really a, can be a lot. You know, this is a kind of, I mean, I don't want to limit this either, but one of the things our belly is, is a, a, at least on one level, a seat of a lot of, uh, uh, our life force, our juice, our sexuality, our, when that can feel closed or like a little crazy or we may have been hurt or, um, you know, all of us will have a story with our hips and our genitals and our belly. Some are hard stories. So respectful of where you are with this. And we want to take, you know, really bring this online as well. So establishing your vertical. And I'm going to offer steps. And remember, at any point, you don't have to do any of them. You can pick up, pick up the ones you want and not have to do the ones you don't want. And I'll give you the gist so that you're not feeling like just taken on a ride here without consent. We're going to work with something that calls forth your imagination, some so-called object, some so-called otherness um, that we will do with our senses. Let's, let's first do it with our eyes closed so you can actually bring it in, in a way, make that transition between the outer to the inner. But something from, something that we would all agree upon is there on a good day. Right? And we're gonna, we're gonna bring such a, something, someone that calls forth our imagination. And we're going to practice the balance of attention with that. And we're going to, um, do the practice of switching on some of these aspects of the imaginal that we explored yesterday with that otherness. And we're going to do the two, two way. One is where we are impressionable and open to the possibility of the impact of that so-called other on our whole soul. The aesthesis, which I'm not going to limit to body as a fixed concept body. And we're also going to practice with respect and reverence um, knowing the otherness through entering the otherness, right? So um, kind of plunging in, remaining distinct, and entering into the sense of otherness. At any point, if you notice the sort of merging or going into the oneness, remember for the soul-making, we want the distinctness. We want your integrity and your kind of discriminated you-ness as well. That's what we'll do. So, establishing first your vertical sky to earth in all the ways that that calls you as upright through the crown, down through the perineum, spine, back of the heart. You can imagine it. You may sense some of it and not sense some of it. Establish your horizontals, your laterals, your diagonals, your... Whether we like it or not, we are intimately implicated in all of this. And our choice uh, from an ego perspective is to withdraw from the world of the senses 
or go and try and do something about it. To sense with soul. Breathing in with your belly. Breathing out through the bones of your pelvis, if it's okay, with a ha. Don't even fix the word bones to your anatomy lessons. Breathing in. Breathing out with the pelvis with a Let the hands be soft. And bring to mind something, something from our Let's, let's let it not be a someone at this point. Let, let it not be a human other at this point. Some so-called thing that you may have come into contact with here in this place or something else that calls forth your imagination, meaning, yeah, you know what that means. Something we want to linger longer with. We want to, something mysterious about it. Like, what is it? Something attracts me to stay. And in our practice, to bring something to mind, in our practice, we practice this quality, this uh, training of attention of vichara, the capacity to linger with and not just bounce off contact with a particular. Right? We bring something to mind. We put, bring something into the frame. Vitaka. And we have to learn, well, we ask to learn to linger. And that means employing all our mindfulness and intentionality to stay and linger and feel out our body, the, 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 the resonances, the fondling, the lingering, the staying. So bring, step number one, bring an otherness. Don't, it's a little bit like meta practice when we're trying to find the different categories. Don't have to wait till you find the best otherness or the, you know, find an otherness that you know calls forth your imagination. Step two. So as you bring this otherness to mind, let it form in your soulscape. But sense your energy body. Don't let it just be up in your little frontal lobes. Open the whole energy body. And step two is to practice balance of attention. So take a moment to establish 80% of your attention with the your singularity, your vertical, your you, that who can gaze upon and see and sense. with you, 20% opening to the otherness. 
They don't have to be visually distinct. But something about that thing, like, ignites you a little bit, like your pilot light goes, woof, goes on just a little bit, or maybe a lot. And all the while, your practice will be sensing you have your body, you remain intact. Practice 50-50. Breathing. And at any point you can stop and linger where you need to practice or you want to practice. It's not about rushing through this to get the answer. It's an art. We do service to know where it's appropriate to stay and practice. Practice 20, 80. 20% you, 80% open to the otherness. Have you got your hips? Have you got your heart? Step three, gather yourself into your intention. What is your practice and your life in the service of? In your, what you remember in your better moments? are you devoted to? Just reminding yourself, potentially as a way to ignite the heart. What do you love that you wish to serve? Step four, grant autonomy to the otherness, the so-called object. Remembering, sensing with soul is dependent on our participation. We both create and discover. Grant autonomy to the otherness. Unfathomability, perhaps. Can you sense there's more there than you can wrap your mind around? Which of those aspects are ones that you can switch on, discover. In the exercise last night, bring that one here now, or that two, or that cluster, or see if they're around. 
sensing It's the neither real nor unreal. Maybe it's beauty. Maybe you have the humility to recognize there's more here. To this unfathomable beyond. Maybe there's Eros. I want to know. Like, what? What? I'm attracted. Don't worry if you've forgotten all the nodes, the aspects, don't worry. It's a practice, you'll learn them, you'll play this time. But there may be something you recognize right now that lets you loosen whatever rigidity can be there. In the dominant logos, with our animate world. And if it feels appropriate, there's a there's an optional step. Of asking forgiveness for the ways I may have seen you or those of your kind in ways that limited the divinities and beauty and dimensionality. I'm, so, I'm sorry. For the, for the ways I may have seen you with a singleness of vision. Or those of my kind, my humankind my cultural kind, maybe, if that's so. It's not relevant for you, don't do it. Save me from singleness of vision, as Blake said. Please forgive me. And again, you're finding your line with real, not real. The divinity of divine theater, intimate, meaningful, rich. But can I say it's real? Can I say it's not real? Come to the imaginal middle way. And if you feel ready for step number five, this is the one where you let the immediate presentation of the otherness strike you. And so we want our body for that. We want to remember the impressionability, the aesthesis. Let the immediate presentation of this otherness strike you. 
make an impression, if that's okay. And linger, linger with that impression, letting that thing still be distinct. The impression it makes is distinct. It doesn't have to merge or dissolve. And can you attune and discriminate the edges and the sense and the effect on you and what's happening at different levels in your heart, in your body, in your concept, in your belly, in your... Bring your attunement and find discrimination, navigation. Navigating the sea of these aspects of the imaginal, the world of the senses, the manifest appearance. And if you numb and close, know that. It's okay. But you can be skillful. What can be switched on? Where does your ignition switch on? Your heart, maybe, your belly, your mind, your loins. What switches on? And if you wish you were number, that it's too much, you can modulate that. You can turn the dial down. Breathing, watching if the energy body awareness collapses, stretching it open. Step six. I'm rushing through them now to give you an illustration. You can linger for as long as you like when I have offered this. Step six. Letting the balance of attention be such coming into 50-50 again. I mean, you might just want to linger there if that has made a big impression. You can just stop right there if you wish. Be respectful. Don't be go a tempo, a tempo that's respectful to your soul. Step six, let your energy body come close to the edge and the boundary of the otherness. So you're kind of moving in towards them. So the other way around, like they made an impression on you, now it's you have the chance to move in that direction. But you stay intact. And they stay intact, actually, even if their boundaries are soft and elastic. They stay intact. And the first step, if this fit, this is important, I think, to ask permission to know the other. And it may be really easy and relaxed and beautiful in that. Ask permission to know and be known by the other in this way. And if that feels respectful, plunge, enter into. 
breathe, you remain distinct. Plunge and know whatever you know. Attuning and discriminating, not dissolving. What is happening at the level of your heart, perception, eros, psyche, logos, your ideas, what you serve, what you love. participating in perception with this incredible equipment, sensitivity. And finding, for now, you can come back to any step finding a way to end, and it might might be to acknowledge one of the steps that you want to come back to, or all of them, or acknowledging something with this otherness, potentially a beloved otherness, potentially an erotic, beloved, imaginal otherness. And find a soulful way to end for now, not shutting the doors shut, a soulful way to end.